0: Psalm seven. Psalm seven. We read Psalm six last week. And and as we read Psalm 6, I really kind of focused on it as, as being a psalm of, of repentance. That it, that That is there was some sin that had been committed and, and that's kind of how I, I read the text and that's kind of what God laid on my heart. Maybe that's just what I needed to hear. But, but I also think it's worth saying that it is possible that the text uh, could have also been talking about enemies coming against the psalmist there. So uh, that's, that's another uh, uh, option as, as to what it could be saying, but I tend to lean toward the fact that it was talking about uh, some sinfulness that had been committed. And and the psalmist there was asking for mercy from the Lord. And tonight we kind of shift into a a little bit of a different direction. This is probably also a psalm of David, Psalm 7. And what we see is that David is faced with some enemies that he is uh, calling out to the Lord that, that God would deliver him from the hand of his enemies. And we talked about David. It's been a few weeks ago. We talked about kind of in great detail some of the some of the experiences that David had. Uh, Some of his enemies one of which was his own son Absalom who had revolted against him. Another of David's enemies as David was was a young man uh, as he was getting ready to go into the kingship before David went in the prior king was Saul and Saul was attempting to kill uh, David and so uh, David was on the run in those two situations that we know of for sure and we have uh, great detail of those in scripture. And so uh, I don't know exactly what the situation uh, would have been in David's life when this psalm was written, but whatever the situation was, there was an enemy that was coming against David. So let's pray and then we'll look at the text. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us tonight, that your word would, would let us see the uh, How good you are to us, dear Lord, to deliver us in times of trouble. So maybe some of us are are facing some tough circumstances and some tough times, God. But help us to learn the attitude of the psalmist here, dear Lord. And and that we need to cry out to you. That we need to just seek you to get us through whatever the toughest times we may be going through, dear Lord. And just praise you through it. And just thank you for what you do in our life. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The superscription to Psalm 7 says a Shigayan of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush of Benjaminite. So last week we had the word Shimonith, and this week we have the word uh, Shigayan or Shigayan I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. That's probably not right. But we get a couple of these weird words that... Ooh, most of us probably aren't familiar with, and and they're really not in Scripture very often. We only see both of those words: the weird word last week and this weird word this week. Uh, we only see them on a couple of different occasions, and 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 the the most common uh, thought as to what this may mean is that it's some uh, form uh, of, of poetry, a, a type of literature, uh, perhaps something that that people would uh, would use in in really difficult times when hard times were. A And perhaps it's just describing the type of writing that this is. But like some of the other words that we've looked at in Psalms, this is one that it's really hard for us to figure out exactly what it means. We just don't know. And there are many different views as to what it means. But again, as with the rest of the words, that's not a real critical issue. It doesn't affect our understanding or reading of the psalm. Uh, but, but what, as I said, the most popular view is that it probably uh, means some type of poetry that, is, that, is, that has to do with hard times that uh, someone who's writing it may be going through. And it said... Uh, it's it's a Shigeon of David which he's saying to the Lord concerning the words of Cush a Benjaminite again this 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 Cush a Benjaminite There's not a whole lot that we have to go by. We don't really know who this Cush is. Uh, Some would say that it is a reference to King Saul, and it very well may be. It could be uh, perhaps someone who works for King Saul, and these words that are being talked about, the words of of, uh, Cush the Benjaminite, were perhaps something that were getting David in trouble. Perhaps he was bringing reports to Saul. Perhaps this was uh, something totally unrelated. But whoever Cush was... It was causing problems for David. These words that were being spoken by Cush were were, were were obviously weighing heavily on David and the circumstance that he was in. And so David was singing this psalm to the Lord, a psalm for justice to be served. Verse 1, Yahweh, my God, I seek you, refuge in you. Save me from all my pursuers. And rescue me or they will tear me like a lion ripping me apart with no one to rescue me. Now David would have knew... Uh, far too well what it means to be pursued. Uh, he, he fled for for a long time when he was fleeing for Saul, from Saul, and he knew what it was like to have to kind of hide and make sure that he was staying in safety so his uh, life would be preserved so that he could, he could uh, be safe from Saul. And again, he had to do it later on uh, from Absalom. He was on uh, the run for a little while. And so, whatever the situation was in David's life, we know from the other text that David knew exactly what it was like in the most toughest situations to be chased by your enemy and so he knew there was nowhere else that he could go and so he was going to the Lord he said God I need you to be my refuge he needed God to be that that security for him that protection for him that stronghold that he could go to to know that he was going to be protected and delivered from his enemies he gives the description in verse 2, are they will tear me like a lion ripping me apart with no one to rescue me. He says, "Look, God, if you don't come rescue me, my enemies are going to have their way with me. They are going to destroy me because there'll be no one else to save me, Lord, if you don't come and you don't rescue me." Now, hopefully, I hope I'd like to thank everybody in here that realizes that. But if you don't I want to remind you that there is no one in this world, there is no thing in this world that can rescue us from our situations, whether it be sin that we have committed or whether it be an enemy that is coming against us. Uh, There is no one in this world that can deliver us except for the lord alone it is the power of god that we need to turn to in our difficult times whether we have sinned on our own or whether an enemy is coming against us not because of any of our own doing whatever situation we may find ourselves in it is the lord that we need to seek refuge in to know that if the Lord doesn't save us, if the Lord doesn't come to our rescue, that we are going to be in a bad shape. And so we need to trust in the Lord and know that He is there for us. It doesn't mean that everything's always going to be perfect, but we need to be reminded sometimes to know that, hey, even if we're in the middle of a tough time, we may have Uh, been facing our enemies for a long time. David's uh, situation didn't end instantly. He was on the run for a long time. He was facing his enemies for a long time. And it wasn't a a one-time thing. It wasn't a, that's over with now. I'm never going to have to experience it. And it's the same in our life. God will be with us through the tough times. Oftentimes we feel his presence and his security. But that doesn't always mean that our situation gets better instantly. But he does sustain us many times and get us through and keep us strong and keep us encouraged so that we won't give up because we put our hope in him and know that he can pull us through. He uses the illustration of of his enemies being like a lion ripping him apart. Now, a lion is a pretty ferocious animal. I don't know if you guys ever watch Discovery Channel and these shows that come on, I don't know, Planet Earth. Michelle and I have been watching that. There's a new series, Planet Earth 2. And they go all over the the, plant, the the planet and just go to places and show you animals and bugs that you never even knew existed. It's unbelievable. It's a great show if you care to see some some awesome animals in awesome places. But sometimes on that show, uh they will they will follow lions around and you will get to see these big, huge, just massive, ferocious lions, and they get these amazing shots of, of their just huge, massive teeth, and they'll be chasing their prey, uh, prey that sometimes is much bigger than them. But these uh, mighty lions oftentimes we see on these, on these uh, nature shows, we see just how powerful <coughs> and how scary they can be. But a lion is only scary if, if the lion is trying to attack you. You'd feel, you, you wouldn't feel too comfortable if there was a lion trying to attack you, but if there was a lion trying to protect you, you'd feel very comfortable. And that's kind of what I thought about when I was reading these verses because it says in, 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 in the Bible that, that, that our enemy, Satan, is, is like a lion. He's, he, he's always roaming around looking for someone to devour and in that instance, when we think about a lion trying to devour us, it it, it it may bring a little fear to us. But you know who else is referred to as a lion in scripture, Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and so if 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 the enemy is a lion trying to devour us, we have a lion of our own who is, who is willing to step up and fight back. And so that should give us some encouragement and some hope to say, I'm not alone. We do have this enemy that's always coming trying to attack us to get us to give in to sin and to, and to, and to get off track from the Lord. And he's, he's constantly bringing these attacks. And how could we fight off a lion on our own? We couldn't do it. But praise the Lord, we don't have to. Praise the Lord that we have a lion of our own in Jesus Christ. He is our lion and our lamb. And that is who we call to when our enemies come against us. Whether it's through temptation or whether it's a real physical enemy who may be coming against us to bring harm to us. And David used this strong illustration to say, Look, this is what my enemies are like. They're like a lion wanting to rip me apart. Verse 3, Yahweh my God... If I have done this, if there is injustice on my hands, if I have done harm to one at peace with me, or have plundered my adversary without cause, may an enemy pursue and overtake me. May he trample me to the ground and leave my honor in the dust." And so David is saying, look, look, Lord, you are a righteous judge, dear Lord. So look at my life and examine. He's, he's not by any means saying that he's perfect. I don't think that that's at all what David's trying to imply. But as his enemies are coming against him, he's saying, look, God is a, is a, is a righteous and, and just judge. Look and see what I've done. I've treated my enemies fairly. He says, if I haven't treated my enemies fairly, then let them come and let them just, just, just dishonor me. Just let them kill me and send me to the dust and be done with me but he's making a point that I've been good to my enemies and we see that as we read through the life of David we see that his son Absalom uh, some of the ones that were with him they wanted to kill his son Absalom but David said look don't kill him I don't want you to kill my son David had an opportunity where he could have killed Saul but he didn't do so He said, look, I'm not going to do it. Even though you've done evil against me, you are still the king that God appointed and I'm not going to rebel against you. That's what David said about Saul. And Saul was just evil as he could be to David, trying to kill him. And David showed a lot of restraint. And when we see these verses where where David is making his case saying, Dear Lord, you know that I haven't done wrong to my enemies. You know that I haven't overstepped my boundaries or done something wrong. If I have, then I should pay the price for what I've done to my enemies. But he's saying, Righteous Lord, look at me and see my situation and deliver me from this situation. Verse 6, Rise up, Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my adversaries. Awake for me. You have ordained a judgment. Now last week in Psalm 6, we see the psalmist saying, Lord, uh, turn from me in your anger. Don't, don't discipline me uh, with your wrath during, during your anger. But now we see just the opposite. David's saying, oh, Lord, in your anger, uh, bring justice to these, these adversaries, these enemies, those who have come against me. Uh, look at what they're doing and, and, and bring your wrath upon them and bring justice uh, to, to me and to those who have done wrong. He said, you have ordained a judgment. Now, in the context of what's going on here, I think David's probably talking about a, a, a more immediate judgment. That is something that's going to happen in the near future. But this should also cause us to look toward the ultimate judgment. And perhaps that's what David is pointing to. Perhaps the Holy Spirit led him to use just this language, not only for the moment, but also pointing us to uh, God's ordained judgment. That is the ultimate day of judgment. That is where God brings justice to all the wrongdoing. God blesses the righteous and God brings his wrath on the wicked. And that's what David is praying for here. Verse 7, Let the assembly of peoples gather around you. Take your seat on high over it. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity. Let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. The one who examines the thoughts and emotions is a righteous God. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who shows his wrath every day. If anyone does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He has strung his bow and made it ready. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He tips his arrows with fire. So here we see David asking for that injustice to be served. That one who is going to come in and those evildoers, those who have done wicked all this time, who have done wicked to David and, and possibly more likely others as well. David is saying, come dear Lord, you are a righteous and just judge. Come and make everything right. And he says, look, if anyone does not repent, he points, he points us forward to what ultimately is going to happen, our ultimate judgment. That is if we don't repent of our sinfulness and turn to the Lord. That is, God is preparing a day for judgment. We see some language here similar to what we would see in the book of Revelation. The idea of God will sharpen his sword. We see that idea of, of God, uh, of Jesus Christ, uh, wielding a sword. Uh, that's probably uh, figurative language. It could be a literal sword. I believe it's figurative. But the idea that that one day the Lord is going to judge and bring his wrath on those who have rejected him we see the idea of, uh, of, of the bow and the arrows dipped with fire uh, and when we see real similar language in the book of revelation speaking of god's judgment and so he was looking forward to that day when god uh, would come and 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 bring justice to those who had done wicked see the wicked one is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to deceit, so he points out uh, the life of the wicked here. He says uh, the, uh, the 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 person who is wicked, they begin to do evil, and they continue to do evil, and they just harbor harbor evil up inside of them, into a point to where uh, they spread that evil even further out out from among themselves. And David is saying, look, see the wicked one is pregnant. With evil, conceives trouble, and gives birth to deceit. He dug a pit and hollowed it out, but fell into the hole he had made. His trouble comes back on his own head, and his violence falls on the top of his head. He's saying these have, have done evil for so long. They are they are continually doing evil. They are probably making others be tempted to do evil and give in to evil. He said, but but ultimately the evil are going to fall into their own trap. And he closes in verse 17. He says, I will thank the Lord for his righteousness. I will sing about the name of Yahweh, the Most High. He ends with some praise there. He's seeking the Lord to deliver him. And and he's asking God to deliver him from those who are wicked so that justice will be served. And he ends with a praise to the Lord. Michelle and I, we watch Walker, Texas Ranger, every night. And boy, that is justice being served right there. Because those bad guys, they come. And, it, and all throughout the show, you do see them doing all these evil things. They kidnap a kid. They, 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 they kill people. They do all this, this just bad, gnarly stuff. And Walker, you know, he's a pretty patient guy. And he goes and he tries to, to be nice to them. And he's, he's pretty stern with them. But then at the end, they always want to fight him. They, uh, they, every one of them is as dumb as they can be and Walker says are you sure you want to do this and they're like oh yeah I want to do it and then they, they blow up like that and then he does one of those Ooh, ah! he does one of those spinny kicks like that and then they just go flying through the windshield of a car and then you're happy because you're like yes justice has been served those bad guys have come to do all this stuff and Walker tried to give them a chance but they just wanted to fight it and they paid the price for it and Chuck Norris is a pretty cool guy but God's an even cooler guy and if Chuck Norris can do that to the bad guys, if Chuck Norris can, can take him out with a spinny kick, think about what our Lord can do on the day in ju- of judgment when the wicked will stand before him. It'll be a lot worse than a spinny kick. You'll go to a lot worse place than through the windshield of a car. But there's coming a day when David's prayer, which it may have been answered in his day in the context of this writing, but there's coming a day... In the context of of all things in which justice is going to be served. Are we going to be those who are like David who are seeking the Lord to be delivered? Or are we going to be the enemies of the Lord that David's talking about here? Those who live in wickedness and evil and reject the Lord and all they have to look forward to is the day of God's judgment. Justice is going to be served But through Jesus Christ, we can be on the right side of justice. Through Jesus Christ, we don't have to be devoured by our enemy who is Satan, but we have a a lion of our own who will stand there, who has stood there, who has been nailed there to the cross so that we can have a victory. And that's a pretty good lamb to be fighting on our side to bring justice and peace. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this good word today, and I pray that we would seek you. Maybe there are some uh, enemies that we have in our lives, some hard times that have have come upon us. And help us to seek you, dear Lord. Help us to be patient. It may seem like you're not listening, or God, you're not acting fast enough, and we're still in our situations. But God, help us to be patient. Help us to keep seeking you. Keep us strong. Keep us encouraged. Keep us safe. And help us to remember our line as they're fighting for us, dear Lord, and that is Jesus Christ. I pray that if there's one in this room that's never accepted Jesus Christ, God, maybe tonight your Holy Spirit touched their heart. Maybe there was some word of yours, God, that was read, that they heard your word or read read your word tonight, and there was something in there that made them realize that, you know what, they're living wicked, but they want to live righteous. God, I pray that if there's any in here that want to live that life of righteousness through Jesus Christ, that they would come to Jesus, that they would repent of their sins, that they would acknowledge their sinfulness and ask Jesus Christ to forgive them, to wash them with the blood that was shed on the cross, God, and that they would make Jesus their Lord and Savior and that they would confess that to the world, that they would tell everybody that Jesus is their Savior, that they would follow through with baptism just as you command, God, and that they would just ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.